Thank you for joining us today. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it, no matter what's going on or what's happening in our world today. <clears throat> Some of you wonder where I get my jokes. It's uh, from very poor joke books that I find. And sometimes folks give me a joke book occasionally because they want some relief. They're hoping I, you know. So I, I do have a requirement, though, if you give me a joke book, that you have to read it first and mark all the jokes that you like. And that'll help me to get uh, the better ones out. Obviously, this one was not uh, read and was not marked for the good ones. So uh, here we go. One famous speaker was advised to lecture for only five minutes. Lecture for five minutes. And if he couldn't strike oil in five minutes, stop boring. Uh, oh, yes, yes. So hopefully you won't be bored today. But you know, if your attitude's not right with God, you're probably going to be bored because uh, we kind of focus on the things of the Lord. Stand up, stand up, stand up is the title of my message today. And uh, I want to pray for you right now. Some of you are at home, uh, sitting in your recliner, under three blankets, shivering because you got a fever and whatnot. We just need God to heal you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your healing power. And Lord, we just ask God that you administer to those that are at home today, listening, that are under the weather. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would just bless them with strength and healing in the name of Jesus. I pray for caregivers, God, that you would bless them with extra strength and extra compassion. And Lord, we're grateful that you care for us. We pray for the medicine our folks are taking, Lord, that it work effectively. Bless our doctors and nurses, Lord, as they are full-time, full-time right now. We ask your blessing to be upon them. Lord, thank you for your healing power. Jesus, you took stripes upon your back for our healing, and we receive healing today in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Trust you'll be healing better, and you will once you get done hearing this message. We just believe in God for that. Stand up for Jesus. Stand up is, is such a, a distinctive command. Stand up. And... As I was looking at this message and, and trying to decide the title of it, I, I thought of the concept of stand up. Because we are in a time when the body of Christ must stand up and, and declare our allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as that concept of stand up went through my mind, it took me back several years to a, a song that says, Stand Up for Jesus. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead. Till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. Now you have to be probably 50 plus in order to appreciate those words. So you that are under 50 just realize that that is something that your grandparents and parents have had in their life and it still resounds today. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. And we must recognize that. And that's what Paul was saying in, in the book of Colossians where we're headed today, chapter 2. It's about stand up. We, we are living in a world and a culture right now that is broken. 
And it is the power of God that puts things back into perspective. And we must recognize that we must stand up and be accounted for. Not just to be a part of the crowd, but stand up and stand out. Let Jesus be number one. In Colossians chapter 2, it says, I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who are not, for all those who have not met me personally. My purpose is, Paul saying, I'm struggling in prayer, I'm praying, I'm believing God for you, and my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart. I'm praying that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love. I'm praying also that they may have the full riches of the complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. He's saying, I want you to know the mystery of God. I want you to know all about the mystery that God has, and that person is Christ, in whom we are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ has the wisdom and the understanding and the knowledge for us. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding by, by fine arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. How, how firm your faith in Christ is. How, how firm your faith. Stand up. He's saying, stand up. You, you have come to a relationship. You've come to the understanding of God. And it's time for you to stand up. And, and let no one deceive you. Stand up and let no one deceive you. I tell you this. So that no one may deceive you because of a fine-sounding argument. I found that the, the next slide, I found that the, the concept of argument in, in, in the Christian faith normally doesn't work very well. We are to state our position, but to stand and argue with somebody uh, over uh, certain things uh, probably isn't going to be very productive for them or for you, and especially for the sinner that stands uh, alongside and, and watches the attitude of what goes on. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. He's saying, I, I, I'm prepared to come to you in this writing to encourage you, to bring you love, to, deny, to, to unite you in love, that you might see the knowledge and the understanding that's available for you. It is, it is just amazing the knowledge. What is he talking about? A knowledge about Christ, the knowledge in Christ, what, what is involved in Christ. It comes from Isaiah, a prophetic message in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him talking about Jesus being the root of Jesse, being the branch, if you would, 
that the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Talking about the prophetic word of who Jesus is going to be and how that knowledge was within him. And we have this firm faith in Christ. And, and he says, you, you, you have Christ in you. you. You have a definite distinction that you are of Christ. And you stand firm in that principle. And it's so important that we recognize that God calls us to stand up and not allow people to get us into good-sounding arguments. We're living in a time when deception of philosophies, deception of ideas are running rampant in our nation, in our world. And we have to allow the truth to declare. If there's something I've learned this past year, and that is God's Word says so. I've heard that said before by other pastors and preachers, but the more I listen, the more I understand. What does God's word say? In the mouth are two or three witnesses, what does God's word say? Am I living the way God wants me to live? In the mouth of two or three witnesses, does God's word say this? When you read the Word of God and it begins to declare truth to you, you begin to accept it. You see, the Word of God's anointed. And what, what Paul is saying, you are standing firm in your foundation with God. You are having a relationship with God. And because you're having a relationship with God, there is a peace that passes all understanding. And because you're seeking the presence of God, you are not getting involved in arguments that will sidetrack you from your faith. But you stand firm in your faith. And that faith is in Christ Jesus. Verse 6. So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord. Continue to live. Continue to live in him. Continue to live in him. That's one of the greatest struggles that's going on in our world today. Is people not continuing to live in the presence of God Almighty. They are willingly walking away from Pentecost. And God desires us to seek him with all of our heart, body, soul, and mind. So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Continue to live in him. Continue to seek out him. Continue to get your resources and your strength from him. Rooted and built up in him. Rooted. Rooted. Carrots are a wonderful, wonderful Thing that, that supposedly helps you with your eyesight. But the last time I checked, I still see rabbits along the road dead on arrival. Even though they're eating their carrots, their eyesight's not good enough to stay away from the cars. And so uh, next time somebody thinks, you know, they'll eat your carrots, good for your eyes. It probably is. Uh, but rooted and built up in Him. We, we, we're rooted and built up in Jesus. And, and he's saying, continue to be rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thanksgiving. He's saying, you've been taught the word, now live in it and continue it and, and be rooted in it. Don't, don't just be surface. Don't be just surface. 
But go all the way down to the Lord. Go, go down the bedrock. Go down to where it's rock solid, where, where you have a relationship with God and you're strengthened with Him and you're rooted. And when you're rooted, then you can be built up. You know, for years, they, they will build a huge building, but for months before they begin the process of building a huge building, it's going to bedrock. It is putting down pillars. It's putting down concrete and, and, and iron in the concrete and strengthening and reinforcing the foundation. And it all goes down before it goes up. And if they don't do the proper down process of building the foundation, there's no building up. And he's saying, you have found Jesus. You have found a relationship with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I encourage you to keep on stirring that up. I encourage you to be strengthened in that faith that you were taught and overflow with thanksgiving. The power of thanksgiving. Giving God thanks for what he has done for us is remarkable. It not only shows that we have gratitude to God, but it lifts our spirit to know that he cares for us. And when we are grateful, it begins to get put in a new spirit within us, a new attitude within us. And we are empowered to carry on the gospel. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends upon human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Let no one cheat you. Let no one teach you. Don't, don't let them cheat you out of your relationship with God. We must recognize that there are philosophies, deceitful philosophies, which depends upon human tradition, man's ideas, not the word of God. Man's ideas, man's education, the forces of this world, rather than on Christ. See to it that no one takes you captive from hollow, deceptive philosophies. We live in a time when over 80%, possibly even to the 90% of all media that we experience on our phones, on our TVs, on our tablets, our computers, are inspired by philosophies of this world. And we've got to recognize what are we listening to. You see, Gnosticism is what's spoken of in the scriptures, and that has blossomed into called humanism in our society today. And what is that philosophy? That philosophy is that you are a person, as you mean, God didn't create you. You just happened to happen. And, and you have the power to change things. And whatever you want to do, as long as it brings you happiness and joy, it's okay. Humanism totally rejects anything about God, God's word, God's creation. It's all pushed aside. Now think about that for a little bit. That if you understand what I'm saying is, is that when you listen to the news, you're hearing it from a perspective of godlessness. God has nothing to do with the world. And, and so 
subconsciously we don't realize it, but we're being affected by every newscast we listen to. We're being affected by every negative thought that comes our way through the media. And I'm understanding the fact that I'm treading on thin ice right now because we're all duped through the media. But we have to put our guard up and realize that the philosophies of this world are not the things that control us. Humanistic philosophy is not going to control our life. Our life is being controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit, by what the Bible says and what the Bible declares and how that we are to recognize that there's a world standard out there that we do not get involved in. We do not stay tuned to the philosophies of this world. We don't allow them to control, to dictate how we live our life. Basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. We cannot allow ourselves to uh, be influenced by the world to the point that we walk away from God. That we don't take the time. Let no one cheat you out of your relationship with God because of humanistic philosophy, because of those things that have nothing to do with God's Word. God's Word is what's going to give you strength. God's Word is what's going to give you direction. God's Word is going to lift you. It's going to empower you to be everything that God's called you to be. He's willing to equip you in everything. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in a bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. God dwelt in Jesus. All the fullness of God came and dwelt within one physical body. And when we see Jesus walking on the face of the earth, he's walking on the water at times. And the disciples say, if that's you, bid me to come. And they begin to walk until they realize they're walking on water and they, they get their eyes off Jesus. It's a real story there. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. We cannot allow the things of this world to distract us. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in a bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head. And Christ is in us. All of God is living within us. When we tie into God and we tie into the principles of God, we are living in the fullness of God and the presence of God is being poured out in us. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Putting off the sinful nature. That's so important that we recognize the fact that we reject that. Reject that nature. And allow the presence of God to move mightily in our life. To recognize the joy that we have in knowing Jesus. In him you were also circumcised in the pulling off, putting off of the sinful nature. Not with circumcision done by the hands of men, but with circumcision done by Christ. The circumcision of the heart. In Paul's writing in Romans, he talks about the circumcision of of the heart. It's by the Spirit of God. God wants to come inside of us and do a work that's deep inside of us that 
removes us from sin and puts us in a right covenant relationship with him. Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Water baptism is such a beautiful illustration of the death of Christ, being buried, put under the water, being buried with Christ, being resurrected to new life in the power of the cross. We are to recognize the fact that God is greater and that we do not have to be cheated out of our relationship with God by the carnal flesh. But there's a relationship that we can have in God that helps us to put off the sinful nature. We're all born with the sinful nature, and we have to put it off. And I, when you're when you're 15 years old, you're thinking, "Man, I can't wait till I get old. I won't be tempted to sin. I just can't wait till I'm older. older. I, I I'll win this sin battle." When you get 50. I wish I could get just a little bit older so I could win this sin battle. You've got to win the sin battle now. You've got to win the sin battle now. And you can't win it in your own self. You cannot win this battle in your own power. And that's what Paul's saying. Don't allow these people who are taking a thread of the truth and adding other philosophies with it come to you and tell you how to live your life. You are in Christ. Live as unto Christ. And continue the word. Continue to stir up the Holy Spirit. Continue to stir up the faith that's within you by reading the word daily, by spending time in God's presence. In knowing that God can empower you, the baptism of water is to be symbolic of the death, burial, and resurrection that we have in Christ. Jesus won the battle, and he was resurrected. There was an empty tomb. Uh, the kids had a special song this morning to open worship today, and it talked about that very thing about Jesus being alive. Verse 13, when you were dead in your sins... And in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. He forgave us all our sins. Notice the word sins is plural. You thought you were perfect, but the truth of the matter is that God forgave us of all of our past sins. And he is going to be there tomorrow to forgive us when we screw up and do the wrong thing. And we admit, God, I'm sorry. Help me not to do that any longer. And we must recognize the fact it's the power of God in us that gives us the ability. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. The cross is such a powerful tool for us to realize that our past is nailed to the cross. Our sins are nailed to the cross. Jesus paid the price that we don't have to go through the penalty uh, of our sin. They're, they're canceled. The debt is canceled. We no longer owe that debt. And having disarmed, he nailed to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The devil is defeated. You'll say, well, man, he keeps showing up in my life and causing me all kinds of havoc. We have to continue to press in and let God be God and seek the face of God. 
and to tell the devil he has no authority over you because the blood of Christ has been applied to you. When you say, I plead the blood of Christ, you're saying, God, your blood over me. Your blood over my job, over my situation, over my family. I want the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ protects me from the evil one. The blood of Christ sets up a standard. And we come against the powers and authorities of this present world, the prince of the air, Satan. He's defeated. Jesus defeated him on the cross, coming out of that tomb. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. You are alive because Jesus lives within you. Satan is on the run, and you've got to keep him on the run away from you by keeping the presence of God Almighty flowing in your life. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you. Don't let anyone judge you. You see, again, the culture of the day was to attack the Christians. To attack those who were trying to live for God. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or what you drink or with regard to religious festivals. He's saying, don't let the Jewish people who have had tradition passed on tradition. Don't let them judge you. Don't let them sidetrack you. Don't let them take you down a road that leads to no return. Know this, that when you, Jesus was within you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Know this, that there will be people that will try to judge you, but don't let it be there. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you are eating or drinking or in regards to religious festivals and new moon celebration or the Sabbath day. These are shadows of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The Old Testament set us up for a new covenant. There was an old covenant. There had to be a blood sacrifice. Jesus became the ultimate blood sacrifice for all mankind once and for all and we have that privilege therefore do not let anyone judge you don't allow the rules of the old Jewish faith control your relationship with God and discredit you do not let anyone uh, who delights in false humility and worship of angels disqualify you worship of angels has absolutely no place in the Christian life. Angelic worship replaces Jesus. God is to be praised. God is to be worshipped. Jesus is to be worshipped. The Holy Spirit is to be brought into our lives in a powerful way. Those are the things we worship. We do not worship angels. And there was a group of people that was thinking that we needed to worship angels so the angels could communicate to God for us. Angels don't do that. God has given us angels to protect us, to be with us. But we're not to worship them. Every once in a while you might say, thank you. I appreciate God for sending the angels. We can thank God. For the angelic force that he sent to you. Because the scripture does say that we're given angels, guardian angels. And I can tell you for a fact that I can look back at my life. 
God stopped things in midair for me at different times in my life to the point that sinners would stop and look at me and say, wow, that was amazing. And I, I can't tell you enough that God is bigger than your circumstance. God is bigger than the trial you're going through. God is bigger than the things that we face. And we've got to recognize that we cannot allow outsiders and those who do not understand God to cast harm on us. Do not, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Don't let them condemn you. Don't let them disqualify you for the prize being the Lord Jesus Christ, being heaven. Such a person goes in great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. The carnal flesh has a way of building pride that I don't know how in the world it does such a good job at it, but it does. And it will build pride and it will give idle notions to people. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. When you get involved in, in angelic worship, angel worship, you're moving away from the presence of God. You're moving away from the head, the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you move away from the Lord Jesus Christ, you're in trouble and you're headed for, for definite difficult days. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? If you've let Jesus be Jesus in your life, stop letting the world dictate how you're going to live, what you're going to say, what you're going to wear. There needs to be a distinction in our life that people will say, that person's set apart for the kingdom. They won't do such and such because they don't want to offend their God. And that's the important thing to be said. I don't want to do such and such things because it may offend my God. The problem is that so many people want to say, I don't want to do such and such because my church don't believe that. Well, I don't care what your church believes. What do you believe? And if you don't have enough gumption and conviction to say, I don't want to offend God, then guess what? You're just going through the motions of going to church. It has to be a personal relationship where you have a personal conviction. I will not do this because it's my personal conviction. And I have this conviction because of the word of God in my life. And I go to a church of people who have similar convictions that I have. And that is how we form our church, not the church's conviction. No, it's your personal conviction. What has God convicted you of that you do not want to do so in turn, you don't cause a disconnect from him. Why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? We do not submit to the rules of this world. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. 
These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. The Old Testament, human commands. And Jesus said, I am the new covenant. I am the new way of life. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their selfish supposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value, get this, the traditions of man, the traditions of worship of the Old Testament lack any value in, in restraining sexual indulgence. We must allow the anointing of God to transform us. We must allow the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin. We must allow our relationship with God to be so strong that we will not be involved in sexual activity that is ungodly. Sensuous activity that are ungodly. It's the presence and the power of God Almighty that sets people free. And it's so important that we recognize that no one is exempt from being duped into the philosophies of this world. We're not to allow anyone to deceive us. We're not allowed anyone to cheat us. We're not to let anyone judge us. And we're not to allow anyone to condemn us. But we must recognize that it's the power of God that sets us free. We must worship God with all of our heart, body, soul, and mind. For the Spirit of God is what transforms us. Not laws. Not things that we make up and saying, we're going to do this and this and this. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit transforming the inner man. The power of the Holy Spirit telling us, you will not do this because this will affect your relationship with me. You will live for me. You will do what I've called you to do. And I will empower you. But it has to be the power of the Holy Spirit. It can't be just saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a good person. It's the power of God transforming us, giving us a heart of love, giving us a heart of compassion. And we will not do sexual sins because it violates God's plan and purpose and I'm violating someone else as well. And so it's very important that we recognize that God is the God of purity. God is the God of love and compassion. And he wants us to live a life that brings glory and honor to him. And we must live unto the Lord, not unto ourselves. Not listening to all the philosophies of this world, but listening to the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, how it lives within it. The Holy Spirit lives within us. We must stand up. We must stand up and declare the truth. Shall we pray? Father God, we stand up today to declare the truth. We stand up. We stand up for Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. And Lord, we realize that the culture of the day is leading many people astray. Help us, O oh God, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live full-heartedly as unto the Lord, to live 100% as unto the Lord, and do not allow the things of this world to discredit our testimony. But Lord, may we walk in the grace and the mercy of our Lord. 
May we walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. May we have personal convictions that rises above the convictions of this world. Lord, that we would not do those things that would destroy relationships, but God, that we would seek you with all of our heart, body, soul, and mind, that would build relationships, that build love and compassion in our hearts and the hearts of those around us. God, thank you for your word that is powerful and it touches our hearts and transforms us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, God bless you. It's been good having you with us today. And uh, trust that you'll get better. And trust you'll be able to be in church one of these days. God bless you. Have a great day. We're going to continue to have altar service. Will you stand?